Well, good morning and Merry Christmas. It's not every day we get to come together and worship and sing these songs uh, on Christmas morning when celebrating the birth of our Lord and Savior, and it's a joy to do that this morning. There is a conspiracy, or so it would seem. We live in a day where conspiracy theories seem to abound. And while I'm not interested in encouraging or entertaining many of these because they accomplish little more than occupying too much time, energy, and emotion, there is a conspiracy about which I am talking. And while it would not be difficult to assemble the evidence of its worldwide influence, A conspiracy that is so effective that millions, if not billions, of persons have been taken in for it by it for many, many years. And it shows no signs of slowing, no signs of weakening. What is this conspiracy, you ask? It's the great conspiracy to conceal the truth about Christmas. It's been in operation for nearly 2,000 years, and it has been quite effective. C.S. Lewis described the effects of this conspiracy 60 or so years ago in an encounter with his brother, where his brother heard a woman on a bus say as they passed a church with the nativity outside, they bring religion into everything now. Look, they're dragging it even into Christmas. And when the truth about Christmas cannot be concealed, on those occasions it's just kept confused or mixed up so that it's not noticed as much, and it's certainly not taken seriously. A few days ago, the UK's Guardian News headline read, Christmas comes with good cheer. The tragedy is the religious baggage. And it only got worse from there. I didn't even know there was such a thing as a cultural Christian who is a religious humanist. You see, the conspirators go to great lengths to keep the truth of Christmas from coming out. Hundreds, if not thousands, of alternative Christmas stories have been devised or suggested. And for the weeks leading up to this Christmas time, it feels as if most of the world is thrown into a busying madness. You've noticed it, haven't you? As the collective community sort of panics with events and activities and shopping and you name it. All to ensure that no one has any energy left to inquire, let alone think, about the truth of Christmas. Now friends, I don't know if you are inclined toward conspiracy theories, but let me suggest that this one is more credible than any you might have heard of. And of course, you might rightly ask, why would anyone want to conceal the truth about Christmas? I mean, for any conspiracy theory to stand up and be more than a theory, then it must have some credible motive, some clear reason for such an international scheme. So we rightly ask, could anyone have a vested interest in hiding the truth about Christmas? The answer is absolutely. The truth about Christmas is powerful. 
The truth about Christmas is able to change people in ways that many persons do not want people to change. And once you understand the truth about Christmas, there is little difficulty in understanding the motive for its conspiracy. Now my task this morning, our task this morning, is to thwart the conspiracy. And we'll do this by displaying openly and publicly this morning a document. A document which, to the best of my knowledge, is the fullest authoritative statement on the truth about Christmas that there is anywhere in the world. Mind you, the content of this document is well hidden. And it has been hidden for years because it is in the Bible. And the conspirators have been remarkably successful because so many, many people have been conned in never opening, much less reading the Bible. And as long as this goes on, the truth of Christmas will remain concealed. But our task is to defy the forces of concealment. And so I have the document that we will open here together before me, and in defiance of all conspired, all those who have conspired to conceal it, we are going to hear the truth this morning. Are you ready? The truth of Christmas, that is the meaning and reason for Christmas, can be expressed, and we will express it this morning in five facts we find in the Bible in this document. We'll take each of these in turn as we unveil the truth about Christmas. If you have your Bible, you can open with me to the Gospel of John, chapter 1. If you don't have your Bible, listen as I read or look over the shoulder of someone near you. They won't mind, I promise. The book of John, the Gospel of John, opens in John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him, and apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. In this text, we observe that at the beginning of this world, God existed. He has always existed. We likewise see that there was with God one called the Word. This Word brought all things into being, and apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. But who or what is this Word? Time will not allow us to delve deeply this morning to all the nuances of this term, the Word. But this is an ancient reference. It is the personification of God. The Word is the instrument for executing God's will at the creation of the world and in creation ever since. We read in Psalm 33, 6, By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and by the breath of His mouth all their host. And who is it? Who is this word? Well, if you look at verse 14 of John, the, the book of John that you are already in, you see that this word became flesh and was full of grace and truth. 
It became embodied. What was once abstract has now become material. And it was full of grace and truth. And then you skip a few, just a little bit down to verse 17, and you will learn that grace and truth, this grace and truth, were realized through Jesus Christ. This Word that created the universe in this world, this Word that was full of grace and truth, this Word that became flesh is Jesus Christ. And at the heart of these verses, we learn an important truth. And that is that there is a reality that exists, that has always existed, one that is beyond our common experience, one that we cannot touch or see, but is nonetheless real. It is the reality that God the Father and the Word, His Son, Jesus Christ, existed before the creation of this world, and that the world was created and exists because of Jesus Christ. This is the first fact needed in the unveiling of the truth about Christmas this morning, that there is a creator in this world, a creator of this world. Now, I realize that's a rather dogmatic statement in this age of science and reason, but it's an important one as we see how deep this conspiracy to conceal the truth of Christmas runs. Because so many persons have been conned into believing that this world and this universe were an accident. And why would this falsehood be so important to this conspiracy? Because if the world is an accident, then there is no creator. And if there is no creator, there is no accountability. There is no external standard, no external rules by which we will be measured. And this is actually where we find the second fact in unveiling the truth of Christmas. Not only is there a creator... But the Creator's laws have been broken. Every single one of us is guilty of this. The psalmist writes in Psalm 53, 2, God has looked down from heaven upon the sons of men to see if there is anyone who understands, who seeks after God. Every one of them has turned aside. Together they have become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. Paul reiterates this truth in Romans, noting Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And what is the punishment for disobeying the Creator of this world or breaking His laws? An action that we call sin? Well, Jesus tells us what it is in Matthew 13. Verses 41 through 42. Where he says that the Son of Man will send forth his angels and they will gather out of his kingdom all stumbling blocks and those who commit lawlessness and will throw them into the furnace of fire in that place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This reality is terrifying. And it's no wonder that there is a conspiracy to cover it up. Trying to live every day thinking about the impending punishment, the eternal torment that awaits one who has broken the laws of the Creator would be absolutely dehabilitating. In fact, the only way we manage to live in a temporary peace with the fact that we have broken the laws of the Creator of this world, that we have sinned, is to do everything we can to forget and ignore this reality. And to make others forget and ignore this reality as well. 
And yet this reality only scratches the surface. It's much worse than you might at first realize. Not only is there a terrifying judgment and punishment for sin, but there is absolutely nothing you can do in your own power to escape the horror of hell and the judgment of God. No way for you to earn back the favor of God. No way to pay back the debt you owe to God. And this is the third fact. In unveiling the truth about Christmas, we are unable to save ourselves from the wrath of the Creator. When it comes to saving ourselves, we're as useless as a dead person. In fact, that's how we're described in Ephesians 2. You know, a dead person cannot talk. No matter how much you shout at them, no matter how loudly you raise your voice, you will get no response. They can't run, they can't walk, they can't talk. They're unable to do anything to change the condition of being dead. Now at this point, the truth of Christmas sounds pretty grim. It does not sound hopeful, it does not sound peaceful. There is no carol of the bells, no joy to the world. This does not sound at all like something worth celebrating. That's because we're not done yet. In our utter helplessness, helplessness, living with a sentence worse than death, hanging over our heads, we learn the fourth fact concerning the truth of Christmas. That the Creator became a child. Now by itself, this may not seem very hopeful. What can a child, what can a baby do? Well, quite a lot according to the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. And there will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it, to uphold it with justice and righteousness. From then on and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. This child was the hope promised to Eve all the way back in the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 3, to defeat sin and death. It was the hope Lamech longed for in Genesis 5, that a child would bring peace from the painful toil of this life. And it was for this reason that the angels spoke to the shepherds on the night of Jesus' birth, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. This child, this babe, brought with him the hope of peace. Peace with God. But how would this peace be accomplished? How would this hope be realized in this child? In order for there to be peace with God, the punishment for sin must still be paid. The wrath of God must still be satisfied. And here's the final fact that reveals the real truth of Christmas. The child became the Savior of the world. Paul says in Romans 5, verse 6, that while we were still helpless, unable to save ourselves, when all hope was lost, it was at that time that Christ died for us. John writes here in this document in 1 John chapter 4, verses 14, saying, We have seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of this world. 
Jesus came to this earth, setting aside the riches of heaven to come as a helpless babe who would grow up to be the Savior of mankind, to rescue us from the wrath of God, to provide forgiveness for sin. So that as Peter proclaims in Acts 2.21, everyone who will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. As Jesus says in John 5.24, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment, but is passed from death into life. And you see, this changes everything. If we will but call out, if we will believe on this child, this Savior of the world and the Father who sent them, then we are no longer condemned by God, but are made children of God. Back in John chapter 1, where we began, we read in verse 12, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. Now, with that ending, you may be asking at this point, if this is such good news, actually, if there is rescue, if there is hope, if there is joy, if there is peace to all who will call upon his name, why the cover-up? Why the concealment? Why the conspiracy? Well, Jesus tells us why. He does that in John 3. There, Jesus, in the concealment of night is speaking with a man named Nicodemus. And he tells him this in that darkened space. The light has come into the world. And men loved the darkness rather than the light, for their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. See, the sad reality is that people love their sin. They love the darkness. They're afraid of the light. Like a child that won't give up her fake plastic necklace for a strand of real pearls. Or the boy who won't let go of a ratted and torn toy animal for the gift of a real puppy. We cling to our sin, convinced that it will satisfy that nothing could possibly be better than this. And because we don't want to be told anything else, we do everything we can to hide the truth, to hide from the light. Because the light exposes our delusion. It shows the ugliness of our sin. It reminds us that we are not at peace with the creator of this world and are sitting under judgment. And we don't want to see this. We do not want the conviction. We do not want to be reminded that we live under the wrath of the creator of this world. And the light of Christmas, the truth of Christmas, reveals the reality that exists beyond this world. But for many, if not most, the thought is too terrifying to comprehend. So this world conspires to hide the truth to pretend nothing exists beyond the here and the now, that there is no creator and there is no accountability. 
But in order to do this, they must deny, alter, or change the meaning of a birth of a child in Bethlehem nearly 2,000 years ago. The question this Christmas morning is really rather simple. To which group of humanity do you belong? Are you one who embraces the darkness? Will you leave this morning more determined than ever to collaborate in the conspiracy to conceal the truth of Christmas? Or, in that other group, have you received him, as John calls us to do? Where he says again, what we've already read in John 1, verse 12, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God, even to those who believe in his name. Now perhaps you're here this morning, and this is the first time you've been confronted with the truth of Christmas. Where you've been able to stop and think about what Christmas is really about. In the midst of the busyness, the hecticness, the efforts that are made by this world to keep us from being able to pause and think about Christmas, you've been confronted with this truth. And the question for you this morning is this. Will you stop rejecting him and receive him? Will you call out to the Savior of this world for deliverance? The truth of Christmas is not found in stockings, presents, or cinnamon rolls, as much as we may enjoy those things. It's not even in family or fellowship or warm fires. The real truth of Christmas is found in the story of Christ, the Creator, the Child, and the Savior who came to rescue us from the wrath to come. And that's the real joy and the real hope of Christmas this season. Let's pray. Father, we come to you this morning rejoicing in the fact that we get to celebrate you this Christmas morning celebrating the truth that is revealed in this document, the Holy Scriptures, that you have not only provided but preserved for us, that we can read and study. And against all the efforts of this world and Satan to conceal it, to hide it, that it shines forth like a bright light in the darkness. Thank you for the truth it contains, the truth we've read this morning, the reminders that we are given. Father, this Christmas season, would we rejoice in the fact that we have a Creator who became a child, who became a Savior, and who will come again as King. We pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you.